0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached.
1: Amen. So, um, we've been busy um, looking at, a, at Jeremiah 29 and talking about being Christians in the city. Uh, and, and just some of the challenges that that um, holds for us. In, in Jeremiah 29, verse 1, it says... This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles. And um, what I was saying in, the, in the previous, some of the previous sessions is that God, Jeremiah sent a letter to Israel telling them that they are a living letter that God sent to Babylon. Jeremiah sent a letter to Israel and told them that they are a living letter that God sent to Babylon. And God was, on the one hand, God was judging them. God was disciplining them, and that's why they were in exile. But on the other hand, God was also using them, sending them to Babylon because he cared about Babylon and because he wanted to draw people in Babylon closer to himself. So I'm just going to read uh, that portion of Scripture, um, Jeremiah 29 from verse 1. Um, And today we're going to talk about family, family in the city. And and you'll see what a prominent place family plays, the home and family plays in this letter that um, God is sending to to Israel. It says, this is a text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles. It said in verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace. The Hebrew word there is shalom. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. So we see um, here in, in, in this passage the prominent role that that family plays in god's instruction to israel in other words he's saying if you want to be a living letter to babylon then you need to do it in family then you need to live in family okay and 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 notice what, what he what he what he says here he says build houses and settle down okay plant gardens you know, work your fields, plant, uh, you know, produce. Then produce produce and and eat it. Live live of it, and then get married and have sons and daughters. Give your sons and daughters in marriage and let them have sons and daughters. Increase, do not decrease. And um, he's talking about families co- talking about building houses, creating safe space for family. He's talking about working to provide for family. He's talking about marriage covenant that establishes family, and. What we sometimes miss is the deep theological reason why God tells Israel to specifically live in that way in Babylon. Okay? If you read verse 4, let me just read it again. Verse 4 says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those carried into exile in, in, from Jerusalem to Babylon. <coughs> There's something that, that you won't notice in the English translation, but which which is clear in the in the Hebrew. And that is that God's names, two names used there, Lord Almighty and God. The one, Lord, is singular. Okay? The other one, God, is plural. And then he says, and he said, and the verb there is singular. In other words, like in many other places in the Old Testament, this is a very subtle but very clear pointing forward to the, or, or pointing to the fact that God is one, but God is also more than one. And obviously, from the New Testament perspective, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we understand that God is a trinity. He's a three in one. He's actually a divine family. So it says, this is what the God who is himself a divine family One family, one God, yet three persons is saying to you that if you want to be my living letter to the city to which I sent you into exile, if you want to represent me in the city, you must be like me. Individuals cannot truly and fully represent God. Only families can do that. Only families can do that. And that's why God created us for family. When God created Adam and Eve, the very first thing He created was a husband and a wife, and then He gave them, and He said, He even says in in, in Genesis chapter 2, after He created it, He says in chapter 1, let us, notice again the plural pronoun, let us create man in our image, according to our likeness. So the God who is a family says, let us create man as a social being for family and then he says in chapter two it's not good for the man to be alone because he he sort of holds off creating the wife and and the point of that is to show us well to show adam first but to show to show us who read about adam as well that we were not created for isolation we were created for family it's not good. It, and, and it's that, that what he says, it's not good. It stands out all the more because he's just been saying all the time, he created everything, and then every time he says, and, it, and God saw that it was good. And then he created mankind, and he saw that it was very good. But then in the midst of everything that was good and very good, he says there's something that's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And then he brings the animals to, to, to Adam to see what he had call them. But it's not just for Adam to name them, but it's for Adam to see that he is different from them. There is not one of the animals that is a helper suitable to him. And then God puts him to sleep and God creates out of his rib a wife, a helper, a helpmeet suitable to him. And and the word there in the the Hebrew is, is someone who compliments him but is equal to him. Someone who's different in that sense, compliments, but someone who's also the same in the sense of equal in value and um, capacity and then at the end of that chapter Genesis chapter 2 he says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh he institutes marriage marriage was God's idea and thereby institutes the first family in other words God created family as the building block of society Because God himself is a divine family. And if we want to represent God, we do it as families. Okay? Now, obviously family happens on two levels. There's the biological family. And if you're married, on the one hand, you can express God through biological family. But even if you're single, the other level of family is the spiritual family, the church. We're also a family. God is our father. We are brothers and sisters. We're a spiritual family. So even if you're single, you can represent God in his spiritual family. And in fact, that's the only way we can represent God. And that's what he's saying to the, to the Israelites that he sent to Babylon. He says, if you want to represent me, you've got to do it in family because I'm a divine family. If you want to be a living letter and show the Babylonians who know nothing about me what I'm like, not only tell them what I'm like, but show them what I'm like, then you need to live in families. Um, and he mentions a few things that you need to, to do in terms of family. He says, he says you need to build houses, you need to um, plant crops, um, you need to build, you need to plant you need to marry and you need to raise children. And when he says you need to marry, he actually, the three things, well, the four things he mentions there are the four essentials. I, I love how the Bible is always, well, how it can say so much in so little words. Okay? So the four essential things that you need for families number one, you need a covenant. That's what it is when you get married, it's a covenant. Um. Family is based on covenant. It's based on covenant commitment to one another. And that reflects God's covenant commitment towards us. And it reflects God's covenant commitment towards himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are basically in covenant with one another. In, in, in the Trinity, in the divine family, if you, can, if you can call it that way. And that's why God has given us covenant relationships so that we can live out and express the way he relates to himself within the Trinity. Okay, So marriage is important. And we so easily forget that. And and our modern society is hostile towards marriage and family. And becoming more so. In fact, so much of the media, so much of politics is trying to redefine family. And the problem is when, when, when you change family, when you redefine it, you actually break it. And it no longer works the way that God intended it to work. And the thing that God intended to be the very building block of society, when that falls apart, society falls apart. And we've seen this throughout history, not only church history, but secular history. Whenever the family gets broke down to a point... Where, 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 it no longer sustains the weight of society, the society falls apart. <coughs> and that's happened many times during history, um, and, and we're heading towards that as modern society as well. Um, so you need to, you need a covenant, you need, you need marriage, you need, you need covenant. But then it says, he says, build houses. Now what are, what are houses? Houses are safe spaces. Protected spaces for families to live in. And, and we need that physically. Physically, we need a place with walls and a roof on to, pre- to protect you against attacks like, like Pierre and them experienced. Um, but also from the elements. You need physical protection as families. So, so he's saying, you know, it's not enough just to have a marriage covenant, but you, you, you've got to do the work to create safe space for that family to live in. But in modern times, you don't just need physical safe space, but you need social and political safe space. Because marriage is, is, is very much under attack, and um, marriage and family is is faltering, especially in the West. If you look at the trends worldwide, I was checking out the, the UN um, you know, stuff on on worldwide they're saying the fertility rate is going down I think it 's about two point three at the moment in other words two point three children per per woman um, but in many countries it's under under two now you need two point one as a replacement in in two thirds of the world two thirds of, of the population of the world live in countries where the fertility rate is under 2.1 and it's two-thirds of the world is living in places where the population is shrinking okay Um, and not only is the 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 fertility rate dropping the mortality rate is also dropping so at least people are living a bit longer Um, but the marriage rates also significantly dropping people aren't getting married anymore and you know there are many reasons for that um one of, one of the reasons is because so many marriages, you know, younger people see many marriages fail and they come from failed marriages and they they lose hope for marriage or they're afraid to get married because they, they know how much they got hurt in their parents' failed marriage and then they're hesitant to get married themselves. Um, but it's not only that. it's It's also the sexual revolution took place and and now there's hookup culture where people you know especially young men say well i can have all the advantages of marriage without any of the responsibilities literally and so young men don't want to get married um also because of the fact that um the marriage laws are set up primarily to protect women i mean if if you going to look at the marriage law if you get divorced the the laws definitely lean towards women it's easier for women to get custody of the children it's easier for women uh to to um you know to, to benefit financially from it and and we under, we all understand the reasons historically why that is so but men see that and say well am I not digging myself a hole by getting married because what if we get if the divorce rates are so high in any case you know if I get divorced then I'm not only are my children going to be taken away, but a lot of my finances are going to be taken away. So I'd rather not marry in the first place. Okay? Then there's also, I mean, I'm just mentioning a few um, of this stuff. I mean, stuff like porn. is also a massive problem, uh, and not just the, the, the physical hookup culture and sleeping around outside of, of marriage, but, but pornography and stuff. Because it, it breaks down many people's even desire to get married. Uh, th- there are many more reasons for it than than what I'm mentioning now. But the the problem is, you have a breakdown in the family where less and less people are getting married. less and, even those who are, and, you know, when they don't get married, they don't want children. If they do get pregnant, they often get they abort the children. Um, if they do get married, they often still don't want children. So even married couples, many married couples are saying, "Listen, we don't want any children." And 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 the the result of that is. I mean, they're quite worried now. Uh, and it's not just Europe where almost all the countries have negative growth rates. Um, it's even in places like China. China, I think their population peaked about 10 years ago. Uh, and, and they actually overestimated their population by 100 million. Uh, India has now surpassed China as the most populous country in the world. And China is a massive problem because they had first the two child policy. And then the one-child policy. And many parents, they said, okay, well, if we only, can only have one child, we want a son. So now you have a, a complete disproportionate amount of men versus women in China. And now, for, since 2015, they've lifted the one-child policy because they've realized they've stagnated and, they, and their population has started to drop. And the people that are alive, the older people are not... Passing away as quickly as, as 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 before, so now you have this thing where, where your population is a, a whole lot of old people and very few young people. So the people at working age are becoming less and less, and the people, on on uh, uh, you know, you know that society has to support older people are becoming more and more. In fact, they say by the end of this century, the amount of people above 60 will have increased eight times what it is now, and the amount of children below f- five and lower will have halved. So now you have a massive problem, because family is fall- marriage is falling apart, family is falling apart in you know, a population. Now, the only way to, 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 to sort of you know, supplement the population decline is through immigration. But eventually, everywhere, if families continue to fall apart, everywhere there won't be population growth. So even the places where traditionally em- immigrants would come from to, to other countries, their population would start to decline as well. So there's a, there's a big problem. I mean, decades ago they were saying that overpopulation is the problem. Now they're starting to worry that the population of working people is not in a couple of decades, it's not going to be there. It's not going to be sufficient to sustain the world economy and the older people who are there. And why I'm mentioning all of that is I just want you to see when you don't protect family, when you don't value family, society starts falling apart. It doesn't work. Family is the one thing that makes society work. On every metric every single metric. Now, I think especially those of us who come from broken families can understand and appreciate this, that when you come from a broken family, usually you have some disadvantage. It hurts. There's something that you needed, maybe that you didn't get. Now, God is gracious, and he can redeem us, and he can fix that, and he can actually change that, um, like he does with all of us in every area of life. But we know that that when you come from a broken family, there's a disadvantage that you have. In fact, children that come from healthy families where both parents are present um, just do better in every area of life on average. They are better citizens. They tend to vote more. They tend to have less debt, commit less crime, be more productive in terms of their work, produce more children. raise healthier children um, and just in every area be, be, be socially and psychologically stronger and more resilient just in every area in fact I, I was listening to an interview um, uh, African American public intellectual called um, Thomas Sowell I, I recently discovered him and I was quite impressed with um, just you know, the amazing way in which he analyzes things he was he was doing an interview with a, with a guy, um, I can't remember who the other guy was, and and they were talking about the in America the disparity, you know, in in um, economic disparity between white and black people, um, and Thomas Sowell was saying, but hang on, you know, as far as he's concerned, now remember he's himself an African American. He was saying, as far as he's concerned, it's not because of race, the the disparity because there is a disparity. He's, he's saying, the poverty rate among black um, Americans is 22%. The poverty rate amongst white Americans is 11%. But the poverty rate amongst black families where both parents are present is 7.5%. So he's saying the problem is not race, but family. The problem amongst African Americans is that there are so many broken families so much destruction in the family and so little stability in the family. But where, where, where the families have held together in the African-American population, they're thriving. They're actually doing above average well. But where the families have broken down, that's where the economic... So, so it's, it's, it's more of a family problem than a race problem. And guess what? If you look at the stats in, from Stats essay we see exactly the same trend in South Africa. The population groups or the ethnic groups where families are the strongest also are economically the strongest. And that that just shows you, all, all I'm mentioning there is it shows you how critical family is as a building block of society. And how God has given us both biological families and spiritual families, He has given us what we need not only to prosper ourselves but to cause the city that we live in to prosper so he's saying here to 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 the israelites build houses you know it's establish healthy families and then he says and pray for the prosperity the peace and prosperity of the city and he's not talking about two different things he's saying live in families for the peace and prosperity of the city. Show them how to live in such a way that you can thrive. And then also pray to me for them that they will thrive and that you will thrive. (laughs) So, um, and then also he says, you know, plant gardens and eat from them. You know, we underestimate how important work is. Not only for us, Because God uses our work for our sanctification to make us holy. Because guess what? (laughs) There there are a lot of issues that we have, you know. Hypersensitivities and selfishness that we have. That when we're in an economic environment where you have to work with other people, you have to crucify the flesh a bit. Even if you're not saved, (laughs) you have to crucify the flesh a bit and bear some of the fruit of the Spirit, you know. (laughs) Like patience with other people. Like self-control to actually do your work before the deadline. etc., etc. So, So there's a redeeming, you know, function that work has in, in our lives. But, but not only that, it's the work that we do is a means to provide for our family. In other words, family is something that you work for, some, something that you sacrifice for, something that you invest in. Also, working benefits not only yourself and your family, but also the city that you live in. If you work well, the better you do your work, the better the people around you will, will do. You can, you, in other words, your calling is not just, you don't just go to work to make money so that you can fulfill your calling of making disciples on the side. Okay? Yes, making disciples is an essential and non-negotiable part of your calling. But your work, your actual work that you do, is also a part of your calling. If you're a programmer, if you're a teacher, if you're a lawyer, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a whatever you are, you can actually do that to the glory of God and to the benefit of people. And if you do your work well, the city will prosper. If everyone does their work better, the city will prosper. And that's part of what he's saying here. He's saying, you know, work as to provide for your family, but by working you'll also benefit the city. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, my work is my calling. Or well, at least my work is part of my calling. No, but, but seriously, if you, you need to understand by all means that making disciples, going to small group, coming to church, you know, spending time with friends and, 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 and discipling one another, that is absolutely part of your calling. But if you as a Christian cannot see your work as part of your calling, then something is wrong. Then you don't understand um, fully and accurately what calling is and what God has called you to. Um, and then he says, take all of that, you know, the houses you built, the, the, the culture of protecting, creating a safe space and protecting family, the, the work that you do, the culture of working hard, not just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of everyone around you, and your commitment to marriage, to covenant, till death do us part, commitment Take all of that and transfer it to the next generation. Get them, husbands and wives. Teach them to build houses. Teach them to work and teach them to have children and pass on that legacy to the next generation. The city needs to see that because most, let's put it this way, cities are even more hostile family life than rural areas in the modern age. It's a a worldwide pattern that when people urbanize, and urbanization is a I mean I I mentioned I think since 2008 there have been more people living in cities than outside of cities but there's a pattern of people getting you know as, as soon as they move to cities less and less people get married and less and less people have children when they have children, they have less children, maybe one or two, you know, maximum. In other words, there's a tendency, and, and it's understandable why. I mean, when you're living in a farm, you know, you know your children used to be like cheap labor. <laughs> you know? So you have lots of children, as many as you can, because they can help you work the farm. But when you, when you move to the city, you're no longer farming, you're doing more specialized work. And not only that, but... Um, you know, you have electricity so your day doesn't end at 7 o'clock when it gets dark you know in those days when there was not electricity or when you were out in the, in the and there was no electricity the day ends at 7, you know, half past 7, wherever and then it's dark, then you can't read and do all kinds of other stuff and you have to entertain yourself in some way So most of that entertainment happened in the dark, you know, and it produced children. And <laughs> but also, um, there was more of a culture of women, it, it was respected for, in, uh, for women to be wives and to be mothers. Nowadays, with the feminist movement, I mean, some of you ladies who, who, who want to be, be mothers and want to be wives you'll know that many women will sort of look down their noses at you. Um, and, and and women are often told, you know, no, you must be completely independent. You know, study, get like a high degree, then get a good job, work for, uh, you know, until you have enough money and then maybe consider. And then often what happens is um, many women do that and then they only consider getting married much later in life, but then... It's not always that easy because of many reasons. Um, you know, one of them is, I mean, obviously you get used to living alone. Um, you, you, you get used to your, your, your freedom, and it's, it's, it's a bit more difficult to give it up. And there are all kinds of other reasons as well that I don't want to go into now. But the, the point is that most people, when they move to cities, family becomes less important to them. They start to lose their moorings in terms of family family value goes down and we need to show them that especially in a city family is important and yes it is more difficult to live as a family in the city but think about this god sent israel to babylon a hostile city planning to keep them there for 70 years. In other words, the generation that came would have children, and those children would have children, and the generation who came, most of them would die out, and the children would go back. In other words, God is implying that, he's saying that raise your children in such a way, even in a city like Babylon, that when I come to call them home to Israel, that they're willing to go, that they're actually eager to go. Because they haven't lost their commitment to me. They haven't lost their commitment to you. You've raised them in such a way that they not only value family, but they value God. Um, As the cities go, so go... uh, As the families go, so go the city. And therefore we must value family. But God says... He uses the the word seek twice in this passage. He says, seek the peace of the city and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And we must notice the connection between those two seek commands. Unless you seek God and you establish families, both physical and spiritual families, that seek God above all else, you will not be able to effectively seek the peace of the city. The more we seek... And, and that makes sense, if you... Bear in mind what I said at the beginning, that God himself is a divine family, and the, he tells us to, to live in family in the city in order to represent him as the divine family. It's only as we seek him as the divine family that we are able to reflect that in our own families and prosper in such a way that we can show the city how we ought to live in families. Um, Think about this also for a moment. If God sent Israel to Babylon and commands them to seek the peace and prosperity of the city, then it's because God wants the peace and prosperity of the city. And among, that's, how, that's who our God is, isn't it? In other words, he sends Israel to a city that doesn't care about him and tells them to be a blessing to that city. In other words, here's the thing. God cares about those who do not care about him. That is the God we serve. He's a God who cares about those who don't care about him. And he wants us to live with that same gospel gospel unconditional love that he has towards people who don't care about him he wants us to live with that same care and 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 just like i said family is a sacrifice if you start thinking about all the costs to family to being married to having children i mean it's, it's not like especially when they're young children make a, a you know a measurable contribution to the family you know children cost you money Lots of money, especially today. And if you start thinking about the cost of it, you you won't have children. But God says, the very reason for our existence, if if our existence is to reflect Him, is to also benefit others. Not just to live for ourselves. You see, the thing is, especially in cities, I mean, people come to cities because they want to make money. Wealth. Now, the interesting thing is that for most people, their aim is to acquire wealth. That's, that's their goal, their aim. But the thing that gives them meaning in life, purpose in life, satisfaction in life, is not obtaining wealth, but having a healthy family. But we as human beings, we don't always know that. So, so we need to live in such a way in the city that we show people, yes, by all means, do work hard, make money. But if that is the ultimate end, you won't be fulfilled. That must just be a means to an end. And, 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 and the end is second in a secondary way to f- take care of your family, but you want to take care of your family and have a healthy family t- so you can represent God and reflect God's family. Then your making of money and acquiring of wealth will actually have meaning and mean something. And it will actually fulfill you and satisfy you but you know if you're talking about the sacrifices for family um, if you think about god he he, he always makes the ultimate sacrifice for family he's always willing to pay the cost for family i mean jesus on the cross is the ultimate sacrifice for family to make family possible and to make family actually work and In so many ways, in terms of family, God is calling us and saying to us, become more like me. Let me show you my love, my grace, my very nature, so that you can then live out that nature and show one another that love and that grace within the family context. And then when that building block of society both Physical family and spiritual families in place to the extent that your physical and spiritual family th- families thrive in the city, the city itself will thrive and prosper. What I'm trying to say is if Jeremiah wrote us a letter telling us that we are a living letter to our city, then a big part of his message is. Live in, su- live in the way live in such a way that it, that not only in word but indeed you are living out and representing God. In other words, if you do family well, you are benefiting not only yourself but your city. The better you do family, the more you are ministering to your city. The more you cause. Your physical family to thrive, the more you cause the church as your spiritual family to thrive in the city, the more you are benefiting the city. And that is a big part of what he has called every single one of us to do in the city. And the good news is that it doesn't only benefit the city but it really benefits us. It really fulfills us. It's what we were made for. Amen. I hope um you know I, uh, louis don't, don't you want to come forward quickly um louis was telling me in the week um about a a couple who are not believers and how they um eventually ended
0: up getting married and, and just what the experience was and i just want you to share that with us quickly <laughs> this was not planned <laughs> uh, uh, yeah i i we, we were at Catherine's on 60th, and um, I, I was speaking to a, a couple, and, and the guy was sharing that uh, they're not believers at all, and um, it was interesting, and they, they started sharing with me that um, they they chose to elope because people had so many um, ideas about how they should get married, and then it sort of came out that, you know, they had bought a house together, and they had built A house together. They had been living together for so long, and when it came to having kids, they were sort of forced to get married. Otherwise, the man would have to adopt the child. Um, And so they decided to get married purely just from a logistical perspective regarding the kids. Um, But then they said to me, they were so surprised because they really thought it would just be a piece of paper and then done. It would would not change a thing. And they said to their surprise, it changed quite a lot, and I, I, I sort of pressed a bit and asked, like, what did it change? <laughs> um, and, and I was very surprised to hear they said the moment that I do happen, the moment that certificate and that signature, there was two things. There was a sense of family instantly, um, and, and there was a sense of commitment, um, and I, I thought that was so profound. Even someone that didn't believe in Christ and in the godly family, that they even experienced that um, Yeah, so I thought that was really cool. Amen. I've also heard so many stories. I mean, I'm
1: I'm thinking of uh, the Sandembers and Maris and Gerda and so many families who have healthy families and who draw people into their families. I've heard so many testimonies. I mean, we had Legacy um, a week or two ago where we deal with so much of what happens when you, you know, the baggage and, and the legacy, both good and bad, that we bring with us out of our families. And I've heard so many testimonies over the years of people saying, I didn't believe in family. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have children. I was completely cynical about family because my family was so broken and my family experience was so hurtful. But, you know, then I went to university or then I came to work and I was sort of drawn into this family and I saw what family could be. And the healing it brought to my heart when I saw that my experience of family was not what it should be but there's there's more to what God designed family to be it it actually gave me hope it actually gave me hope to one day and and a desire to one day have my own spouse and my own children and my own family because I saw that family can actually work imagine if we were a church family filled with such families where people could come in from a broken world and see what family could be imagine what an impact that would have across the city if the church was that that safe space that space that causes people to thrive and be loved and, and, and um you know just be able to be what they what god designed them to be so i want to encourage you let's all of us have issues around family. Let's allow God to heal that. And let's allow God to redeem family to us so that we can redeem it to the city. Thanks for listening to this
0: message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.